Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening whenever you're listening, and welcome to Tri-State at the Plate. I'm your host, Andy Burdick, and we are pleased to bring you a special edition of Tri-State at the Plate this week. It's our second episode in as many days, because we have an interview with Seawolves General Manager Greg Coleman. It's our Seawolves State of the Union, if you will, and Greg fills us in on all of the goings-on with the Seawolves this year. Uh, It'll give you some information about the team, uh, some upcoming events. It'll also give you kind of a behind-the-scenes glimpse at what it's like to be a part of a minor league baseball team a la the Erie Seawolves. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a conversation with Seawolves General Manager Greg Coleman. We're thrilled to be joined today by the General Manager of the Erie Seawolves, Greg Coleman. We're really excited to have the opportunity to have a chance to talk to you today. Thanks for joining us, Greg. Happy to be here. So if you would like on social media, you can follow Greg on Twitter at SeawolvesGM, and you can follow the Seawolves on Twitter at Erie underscore Seawolves as well. Now, Greg, I'm kind of curious because, you know, on your, your Twitter, Twitter handle, you're uh, at SeawolvesGM. Do you like to be referred to as the general manager or the president? Is there like a difference between the two? In some organizations, there's a difference. In many organizations, it's the same. Uh, at the minor league level, uh, different organizations use terminology that makes the most sense for them. And, and our old ownership group, Mandalay Baseball Properties, they prefer the, the president title uh, because they wanted to emphasize the fact that baseball is a, is a business and we are trying to get results for our, for our corporate uh, partners and, uh, and you know, trying to focus on the stuff off the field. So that's the reason that particular ownership group went with that. We just kept it going forward. But some, some teams, uh, my position would be titled as the general manager. There's also the confusion part, which is that when you say general manager, uh, people also can either decide that you either can make trades with the players <laughs> or, or that you're running a restaurant, one or the other. <laughs> and so uh, president uh, seems to, to clean that up a little bit. Some yeah, I have a sneaky suspicion that Detroit would not be very pleased with you if you started trading away some of their players from Erie. <laughs> no, no, probably not. That would be fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> So I want to start things off today by asking you uh, about the new lease agreement that the Seawolves have signed uh, with, with Erie Events. So, you know, it was a, a few weeks ago, the Seawolves announced that they had uh, amended and restated the lease agreement. Um, and that's running through, I believe, the 2020 season. So would you be able to just talk about that a little bit and kind of tell us what does that mean as far as the, the Erie Seawolves are concerned? Well, it means we know what we're playing for the next few seasons. Uh, you know, under our old ownership group, Mandalay Baseball Properties, there was a lot of speculation about what the future might hold because Mandalay and, and their, their organization, they were great folks to me. The, the company no longer exists at this point. Uh, and, uh, but they, they had a business model and, you know, part of that business model was portability of franchises. And as a result, the team for the last decade hasn't had anything longer than a two-year lease. Uh, and that makes it a little bit difficult to do things for the long haul, like uh, improvements into the facility, uh, things like going out and potentially getting an all-star game. Uh, you, you can't you can't make those types of commitments when you don't have a lease that goes past two years. And so for us to have something that's solid through 2020 uh, makes a big difference you know, for us. And it's, a, and it's a, a positive thing for the community, you know, for them to know that they don't have to read about rumors. And it seemed like you know, under that old... Uh, old ownership group and that old model, something would pop up every six months. And, and uh, it, it, most of the time, it wouldn't have anything to do with us at all. Uh, but ultimately, because we were in that situation, they would lump us in with three or four other teams whose leases were coming up. And so it, it was, a, it was a, a tricky situation previously. But for us, it allows us to go out and continue to build the franchise. It takes some of those barriers that were away. And uh, it also creates some opportunities for us. I mentioned things like an all-star game. I, mean, I don't know that that's going to happen in the next year or two because of the, the prior commitments, but it does give, does give us an opportunity to do that. Uh, another big opportunity is, is naming rights. Uh, there just aren't folks that are going to sign a naming rights deal for two years. Uh, so it doesn't make even any sense to implement one for two years. So, so now for us to be able to, to do that as well, uh, really positive things for the future of the franchise. So looking at 2016, now that we have the season underway, um, is there any anything new that, that the fans should kind of know about? So do we have any new sponsorships? Um, and are there any areas that you're kind of targeting for improvement on or off the field that, that you're really looking towards uh, the 2016 season? Well, on and off the field, there's, there's always ways that you can improve. And uh, on the field, obviously, that's, that's a matter for the Tigers. I know that the 
the Tigers uh, were a little bit surprised that we didn't perform as well as we uh, wanted to last year from a pitching standpoint. Uh, we were last in the Eastern League in, in earned run average, and that's 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 tough to win a lot of games. But the team got stronger as the year went on. The team had the second-best record in the Eastern League from about late July through the end of the season. And frankly, if we had played like some leagues do, where you play a first half and a second half format, there's a really good chance we would have been a, 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 at least competing for a second half playoff spot last year. So, um, so, but you know, we, we want to pitch better. We absolutely do. I mean, this year's team uh, should uh, should hit the ball pretty well and should probably pitch better as the year goes on. But, uh, but definitely, nobody wants to be last in the league and earn run average. Uh, it's it's tough to win win many games when that happens. Uh, off off the field, yeah, there are a lot of places that we would like to improve. Uh, certainly, uh, Mother Nature took a took a bite out of us last year from uh, from an attendance standpoint. We still drew over 200,000 fans, but we certainly didn't hit the targets we wanted to. But that's going to happen when you have one quarter of the league's rainouts. Uh, you, know, you can do all the planning that you want and put together the, the best promotions and go out and sell a lot of group tickets. And if Mother Nature gives you, uh, gives you, you know, uh, 45 and rainy instead of sunny and 75, it's going to have an impact. And, and last year was as much of a weather impact as, as any season I've ever been a part of. So, uh, already this year is, is, is better than last year, without a doubt. We got through the month of April this year without a rainout. It doesn't mean it was perfect weather, uh, but already at you know, this time last year, we had already chalked a couple up. So so we, we definitely want to continue to see that grow. Uh, we've been very fortunate. We've had three straight years of record sponsorship growth. We want to see that obviously turn into a fourth straight year. And then from a fan standpoint, we want to make sure that we're always giving fans new things to see. And, and this year's improvements uh, are you know, some of them? Some of them are visible, but frankly, a lot of them are, are behind-the-scenes things that you might not notice um, a, a huge difference. Uh, things like upgrading um, cameras as far as part of the game presentation, uh, technical equipment. Uh, we we went out and we invested in a, a, a suite that gives us the opportunity to do more uh, motion graphics on the video board. That is one that I think the fans will will notice a difference between last year and this year. It has more of a uh, major league field presentation. Uh, to it, uh, and then uh, you know some some uh, some fun things. We went out, and we got ourselves uh, uh, these uh, big giant inflatable balls uh, that, uh, you know, frankly, I don't even remember the actual technical name for them, but <laughs> they are uh, pretty much uh, made to collide with other people. Uh, and so you have the opportunity to have uh, fun in between any contests using them, where where inevitably somebody ends up uh, upside down or rolling around, and it's uh, it's it's a great, it's a great laugh. So, so that's that. And then on the food service side of things, so invested about $25,000 this off season in, in new equipment, uh, have a new dessert area where we have, uh, have ice cream and uh, have funnel cakes uh, and, and you know, things like that where, you know, you continue to improve things uh, as best you can. Now I can, I can speak from experience because last year I actually, uh, I held my bachelor party at uh, Geriat and we, we reserved a box and, I can tell you it was absolutely a fantastic experience as far as everything off the field went. Um, you guys really go above and beyond when it comes to making sure that your fans are just, you know, like you feel really welcome from the minute you walk into the stadium until the minute that you leave. Um, so I have to say kudos to you guys for the uh, for the off the field. It's it's a great stadium to go to. I love the environment, and uh, it's definitely by far my favorite minor league stadium to attend. Well, thanks. I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, you know, I'll say that... Uh, you know, I think there are some things we really try to focus on, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll say, first off, touching your one point, it's a great place to watch a ball game. When you come in, there's not a bad seat in the house. The sight lines are fantastic. It's not like, uh, you know, I've been, I've been to Fenway Park, and you get the wrong seat in the wrong spot. It's not, <laughs> even, it's not even comfortable to watch the game. Uh, but, you know, this ballpark is, is great from a, from a viewing standpoint. And then from our people standpoint, we've got some really good people, and, you know, they – they make it happen, and from our uh, sweet waitresses to our ushers to our ticket takers, uh, I, I don't want to leave anybody out, but but they are the they're the the motor that makes this place go. They're the people that make you feel welcome. Um, they, they're the ones that collect feedback from the front office and help us you know, determine the things that we need to do differently, the things that we need to keep doing, and the things we need to do more of. And so we've got a, we've got a, a veteran staff and good group of people we've got some ushers that have been here for 20 years and uh, their families it's, it's that's part of what it is we want people to come here and we want them to feel like they're a part of the Seawolves family 
That's fantastic. Now, I want to ask you, because kind of piggybacking off of that question, the Seawolves are now under the new ownership of Fernando Aguiar. And so with a year under your belt of working with uh, the new owner, were there any differences in how things operated during uh, last season relative to what you were used to? Well, there's differences. I mean, first off, I will tell you the workload is different. Uh, and when I say that, I don't mean that that would be the same with any any owner. We had to start a new company in season last year. And for us, you just think about all the details that go into getting a season ready, getting a, a ball game ready. I mean, there are thousands upon thousands of details. And probably one of our biggest successes last year was making sure that we switched from uh, from the old company to the new company. We didn't miss any payroll. We, uh, we, insurance didn't, there was no gap in insurance. The liquor license didn't, uh, didn't fall through. There were so many different things that could have happened going from one ownership to a new ownership. And, and it went, it went pretty much seamless. Uh, and you know, our, our staff deserves, deserves a lot of credit for that. that. That's not anything that anyone outside of the front office would know, but it, it was one of our biggest accomplishments last year. Uh, but as far as, as far as the new ownership, uh, I think that it's, it's it's good to have a different set of eyeballs on the operation, uh, on the, on the, uh, how we go about things, looking at things from a different philosophy. Uh, at the same time, the philosophy is really not that different. Uh, it's not rocket science what we do here. We want to make sure that we take care of the fans. We give them reasons to come out. We take care of them so they come back. And so um, in that sense, most minor league operators are doing the same exact thing. Uh, I will say that uh, Fernando has probably challenged us to think a little bit bigger and what are some things that we can do that maybe will uh, push the limits uh, on uh, what we can do? Uh, we have a, you know, a ten-person staff here, which is not a big staff, and so I think that at times we've probably stretched ourselves a little bit more than we did before to try to take some uh, take some shots at a few things. Uh, for instance, last year we had a we had a, a day where we had uh, uh, Tigers affiliate day where Alan Trammell came out to the ballpark. The 1984 World Series trophy came out to the ball ballpark. And it was, a, it was a great day, and that probably would have been where we stopped last year if, if it had been under, under the old ownership. But uh, Fernando pushed us a little further, and we ended up creating another event uh, featuring Lance Parrish and Alan Trammell uh, with some of our sponsors to basically have them come out and uh, have those guys tell stories from their playing days in, in the home clubhouse. And, boy, what a nice event. And it ended up being a fundraiser for our Seawolves Community Fund. And it was uh, it was one that I think we could look at and say, boy, this is something we could do in the future. And we never would have known if he hadn't, he hadn't suggested that idea and pushed us just a little further with it. Now, that's really interesting that you would bring that up, too, because one of the things I wanted to talk about was uh, some of the promotions that you thought were hits last season. And I know personally one of the things that your organization does really well and that, that I enjoy as a baseball fan, uh, you know, you guys hold uh, several meet and greets throughout the course of the year. So... Uh, over the last few years, uh, if you've been paying attention to the schedule, you've seen uh, players like Andy Van Slyke show up at the park. Uh, Jim Leland was there last year. Uh, Alan Trammell. So what kind of promotions uh, do you think were hits last season? And was were, were there any that kind of surprised you? Well, I think Tigers affiliate night, uh, just to mention that again, I thought that was something that really, really pleased us on many levels. It, the, the 1984 World Series trophy came to Erie, and it's the first time it's left the ballpark in Detroit since it moved into Comerica Park. And, you know, for fans here to have the opportunity to come, take a selfie with it, uh, you know, have their photos taken, and, and you know, it, to me it was a really, really great experience, and the Tigers went above and beyond. We, we asked the Tigers, when we came up with this promotion, we asked them for a list of about eight different things, uh, and including the World Series trophy, including having a marquee player like Alan Trammell. We asked them to send us some different uh, items that we could uh, raffle off during the game for fans and use to raise money for the Seawolves Community Fund. And I'm telling you, everything we put on that list, they did. Uh, and it made for a really, really nice, robust promotion. And you know, we, we had put those things on there hoping that they would do maybe half of them or a quarter of them. And, <laughs> uh, the Tigers really made that special promotion for us. And it was, uh, it was the 15th anniversary of our affiliation, so it gave us an opportunity to give away a t-shirt that also had uh, you know, the tires and the Seawolves logo on it. And so it was, it was a very thorough, detailed promotion. We, we were pretty pleased with that. Uh, one other one I think that is, uh, you know, this is not, uh, it's not just an eerie specific thing, but uh, we, we had a Star Wars night last year and we had a, a 
uh, poster giveaway as part of that. And it uh, was kind of playing off the Empire Strikes Back. It was the Empire Strikes Back and, mm-hmm. and uh, custom artwork done by the folks at uh, uh, Cyber Inc, uh, GoEerie.com and the Erie Times News and, and did a, a fantastic uh, uh, piece with, with some of our players. Instead of our players having bats, they had lightsabers. And just the, the quality of the piece that we gave away. And then, of course, we had you know, various Star Wars characters in attendance on that particular night. And the fans come dressed in their own their own, uh, their own own costumes as well. And that continues to be something that uh, is, a, is a lot of fun just to see folks really get into it. Now, I'm kind of curious because, for me, getting to meet Andy Vince Like was the apex of what I thought a baseball player was when I was growing up. And so getting to meet him, I was kind of like, I was, I was a little starstruck and I don't get tongue tied very easy. Like I have a pretty easy time talking to people. And when I met Andy Vance, like it was kind of like, wow, you're the guy I watched on TV when I was 10 years old. So that kind of made me think, you know, as the head of this organization, when you're putting these things together, how much do you get to interact with guys like Andy Vance, like, and Jim Leland and Alan Trammell when they're rolling through and, and what have you kind of noticed that, or I guess, how have you noticed that fans respond when they get a chance to meet players in that setting? You know, fans, they range. They range from being very, very comfortable because they feel like they know the player. They, you know, they, they feel like they've grown up with that player. Uh, and then you have some other ones who are a little starstruck, maybe a little timid. Uh, but it, it always tends to be a pretty complimentary exchange. Um, I, I can tell you from, from my side of things, the players that we've had come in here, you mentioned a couple of them. Uh, Dave Parker was another one that we've had uh, come through here. Uh, all the folks that we've had have been very, very good to the fans. I mean, just very, very decent. Um, you know, signed plenty of things for us for our, our Seawolves Community Fund, uh, or for us to donate to local charities to help them with their own fundraising. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I think sometimes you, you, you have to, maybe pinch yourself a little bit and say, Hey, that's, well, that's Alan Trammell. I remember watching him play ball as a kid <laughs> uh, and remind yourself that, but I, I'll say I, I've been around the game long enough that um, there probably aren't a lot of folks at this point who would be like, Oh, I got to take a step back. You know, I, I got it. That's, that's, you know, I, I have that feeling of being a fan again. I'll, I'll tell you uh, a couple of years ago, I was at a, uh, a game in Dayton, Ohio, our, our sister team in, uh, Dayton was celebrating a long sellout streak. They had set a new record, and I happened to be in a suite that day with Magic Johnson. Oh, uh, wow. And I actually ended up watching the game sitting behind Magic Johnson, which is probably not the best seat in the house because he's a pretty tall guy. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's one of those ones where you say, "Boy, that's just that—that's another level that that transcends even sports." Uh, and so. Uh, so it has to be a pretty big name, I think, probably for me to kind of take a step back at this point. But they're, they're, they're people. They're people, and they've done some pretty interesting things, some great things. Uh, the folks we've had come in here have uh, been really good to the Seawolves organization um, you know, and, and done, done the things that you know we, they need to do and, and be good to the fans. So uh, it's, it's been fun to get to know some of these guys, and, uh, and uh, each one of them is just a little bit different. Andy Vance, like uh, he, uh, boy, he, he. We actually had to almost slow him down uh, in terms of talking because he made so much conversation. The line was too long, uh, <laughs> and uh, but but that's the kind of guy he is. He's an affable, affable guy, and and our fans loved it. That's really neat. Now, what kind of promotions can fans look forward to in 2016? Are we looking at more meet and greets? Are we looking at bobbleheads? What kind of stuff can fans look forward to coming through the gates to Jerry at this season? We've got a, a variety of different things. I like our promotional schedule this year. It's um, yeah, it, there are there are a lot of giveaways, uh, some some pretty cool things going. I will say that we we really pursued heavily one particular player appearance that didn't pan out, and so as a result, we don't currently have one. Uh, but I imagine we'll probably put that together for 2017. Uh, but but I, I will say that uh, there's some things that we're doing this year a little differently. Uh, we are bringing in a, uh, an act called the Cowboy Monkey Rodeo on Tuesday, July 19th. <laughs> oh, and, boy. And it is, it is uh, monkeys riding dogs herding, uh, I can't remember if it's goats or sheep. But <laughs> but uh, really, I mean, there's that uh, Mountain Dew Kickstart uh, uh, Puppy Monkey Baby uh, commercial 
you know, it talks about combining things that are awesome. Well, this is pretty much along those lines. We've got, we've already got the puppy and we've got the, uh, we've got the, uh, the monkey, right? <laughs> so, so it should be, it should be great. So they'll do a couple of skits in game and then, uh, and then after the game, they'll do a full routine. Uh, but we expect that would be a sellout just, uh, yeah, the fans will be pretty excited to see that. Uh, giveaways are a really nice balance this year between some uh, some cool giveaways uh, and uh, and some wearable giveaways uh, on the um, uh, I guess not from from the I guess the, the cool or the, the the bobblehead types of things. Uh, we've got a uh, uh, a Lance Parrish uh, retro bobblehead. It looks like an old school bobblehead with kind of the roundish face. Um, so it's, it's actually kind of, it's almost a little quirky because he's got the round baby like face, but he also has a mustache. So, <laughs> uh, so we've got that, that'll be in late July. Uh, we are doing a, a mashup of our mascot Sewell and Oliver Hazard Perry, who has so much local significance here, uh, where we're going to do a Sewell Hazard Perry bobblehead. Uh, and that'll be in, uh, in mid August. Uh, so that'll be a, a, a fun one. We're doing a, a James McCann, uh, bobblehead. Uh, bobblehead giveaway uh, on uh, June 9th, I'm sorry, June 17th is a Friday, and uh, uh, his nickname in Detroit has become uh, hashtag McCannon right, because of the strength of his arm, and so we said, oh, let's just go with that. Let's, let's make his arm a cannon, uh, and so the James McCann bobblehead will actually have a cannon arm uh, on the on the 17th of June, so uh, so there's a couple of cool ones, and then uh, and then we've got some, uh, some wearables and some new ones we've uh, probably by the time this is out, they'll have given away uh, scarves uh, for uh, for winter weather. They're really good too, man. They keep them warm. <laughs> uh, we've got that uh, uh, just just being released, just being announced. Uh, we've got a beach towel giveaway that we're doing on August 12th, uh, and so you know, so I think that there there is a nice balance of uh, things between uh, wearable giveaways, things you could put on your shelf that represent the brand and. and uh, connect you to it and so and then of course you know plenty of the the promotions that people have come to know and love fireworks uh, we've got fireworks every saturday night from here on out uh, we've actually got fireworks three straight days july 1st to the third uh, and then uh, we've got our uh, our other promotions like buck night which continue to draw and continue to be popular and one thing i do want to mention it's, it's really gained a lot of traction this year as well is our seawolves kids crew which is a uh, free club for kids 12 and under and all you have to do is sign up online at seawolves.com and kids get free admission to every Sunday game, courtesy of Giant Eagle and Star 104. And it's, uh, I mean, I don't know how you do any better than free. Uh, and if you're a family that has a few kids, Sunday is the day to come out. Just sign them up and come on out to a ball game. Uh, it's going to be incredibly affordable. Wow, that's an amazing, amazing promotion by Giant Eagle. Well done, Giant oh. Eagle, putting that together. Um, now, I kind of want to ask because if people are interested in coming to the ballpark, what kind of variety of packages do the Seawolves offer for fans? Um, I guess what would be the range of different packages that fans could look if they were thinking about coming to the ballpark consistently? Well, I'll tell you what, packages I think we do as well, if not better than just about anybody. Uh, our, our packages are so affordable for fans to purchase. Uh, when you compare them to what other, you know, other teams have out there, even teams in the local market who play fewer games than us, in some cases, you know, um, our full season ticket is is you know half as much as it might be for half as many games with another team, uh, and and so we do packages really well. So there's a wide range. Uh, it ranges from from seven games on the low end up to you know full season of 71 games on the high end. Um, when you buy a, a ticket package with us, uh, the majority of them are going to come along with something called a ballpark eats book, and a ballpark eats book is uh, basically free food. And so you get uh, $100 worth with a seven-game plan. A seven-game plan might run you, it depends on the time of year you buy it, but it might run you 84 bucks uh, for seven games. Uh, you get your tickets and you get uh, over $100 worth of ballpark food and beverage and you get your choices of you know, chicken sandwiches or uh, corn dog bites or uh, a full pork barbecue sandwiches. And basically, the way it's set up is that if you purchase a seven-game ticket package, you'll be able to come out to a game get your ticket, get a meal for all seven games, and then there are a couple other things in there to add just a little bit little bit extra, you know, a few snacks here or there. So that's how it's built. Uh, and so come out and watch a game uh, basically for, you know, basically 12 bucks a game is what it comes down to. 
um, that's a pretty good deal. You get you get it all for that. So as you move up through the package and buy larger packages, you actually get you actually get more of that. You can get a, a quarter season ticket package, uh, which is 17 games, a half season ticket package, uh, 35 games, and then the full season is 71. Obviously, we're in season already, so you know, we, we prorate that accordingly. But when you get up into the half season and the full season ticket package, uh, you're talking about um, you're talking about uh, over $200 worth of those food and beverage vouchers. So in some cases, you can buy uh, you can buy a half season ticket package, and um, I maybe off just slightly here, but you can buy a half season ticket package around 250 bucks, and you get $200 worth of food and beverage. Um, that's tough to beat. <laughs> that is pretty outstanding. That's for sure. Wow, go to the ballpark, get to watch a game, and get to eat. That's a, that's a really, really good deal. Now, speaking of eating, I'm kind of curious, were there any new foods last year that were a hit at the ballpark? Well, the most notable thing we introduced last year was the Shipwreck Burger. And the Shipwreck Burger is a giant, giant burger, uh, has Italian sausage on it, cheese, and it has this giant flag that basically you have to put through it in order to like, keep the whole thing together. Uh, and it's, it was sort of our signature burger that we introduced uh, last year. And that was, that was really, really popular. And we also had added some other signature burgers that are a little bit more smaller and more manageable, um, and like a, a bacon and beer cheese burger. Uh, and to me, the, the, the burger cart is a, it's just a really, it's a good place to grab a bite. Uh, and so, so the shipwreck burger, you know, was one that was the most notable. Uh, but like I said, I think the burger cart was the, the success because previously it had been a Philly cheesesteak cart. And it, had done, it was very average. And when we rolled out and changed it into a burger cart, it just really took off. So we were very pleased with that. Well, that's great. Now, what food can fans look forward to at the uh, this season? Is there anything new that we should be keeping our eyes peeled for when we're at the stadium? I think this is the area where there's probably the most new in terms of the things that we've got. I mentioned the investment in uh, food and uh, beverage uh, equipment. We also added some different menu items in some different places. And I'll... I'll I'll highlight a few things. We have uh, three new specialty dogs at the Smith Shack, uh, where you can get a, a hot dog like the Diablo, which is uh, has a little bit of spice to it. You can get something like a, you can get a pizza dog, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a it's a hot dog that has uh, uh, you know your pizza sauce and cheese on it. And there's something called the the Porker, which has actually ham and pulled pork on a hot dog. Uh, and it's 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 become a pretty popular seller. Well, that's, that, that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you've got the porker. Uh, we've added a couple things uh, at the um, uh, stand, with, which has uh, fried food. And so we've added mozzarella sticks there. And we went a step further with the mozzarella sticks by taking them and putting them, uh, along with chicken fingers and french fries uh, and marinara, on a, uh, on, a, on a big sandwich bun. And it's called the anchor. Because largely, if you finish that, you're pretty much going to be weighed down for the rest of the night. <laughs> uh, and so, if you like fried food, the anchors the anchors for you. Uh, if, you if you're not as big a, a fan of uh, fried food, you don't want everything fried. Uh, then we've added uh, a, a sandwich called the Yinzer, which is a Pittsburgh-style sandwich, uh, which has uh, ox roast on it and French fries right on it, just like said, just like you'd have uh, uh, down in Pittsburgh at PNC Park. And, um, so. So we've got a couple of things like that. Uh, we've added, we added a couple of new twists at the burger cart. We added uh, the uh, uh, Hawaii Five-0, which, uh, which has pineapple on it. So we always want to keep things a little bit fresh. But I, the one thing I, I also really want to make sure we mention is uh, the new area that we have that has ice cream and funnel cakes. Uh, we've got a couple of unique items there. One is a, a ballpark sundae that has peanuts and Cracker Jack on it. Uh, and then there's a giant sundae, which, uh, which is meant to really feed four to five people. It's, it's, it has, uh, it has a funnel cake at the base and then it has uh, ice cream and toppings on top of it. Uh, and it's called the big wheel. And that's, uh, a, an homage to our manager, Lance Parrish. And that the big wheel was his, uh, his nickname when he was playing. So, uh, so you can get a big wheel and share it amongst four to five people and, and have a great time. And by the way, have a batting helmet on your head when it's done. <laughs> you might that, want to clean it up first, though. <laughs> that sounds absolutely magical. Very, I usually go to ballparks to watch baseball. Very rarely uh, do I go to a ballpark for food, but I'm kind of hungry now. I, <laughs> I will be excited when Erie comes back into town, so I can get to the ballpark and try some of that out. Now, uh, with the season underway, and I kind of want to talk a little more about on the field now. Uh, you know, we we kind of have the rosters established and. 
uh, we have some fan favorites that have returned, kind of like you touched on earlier. Um, you know, Dean Green's back in town, uh, just mashing baseballs. And uh, I think he was actually just named Player of the Week uh, for the Eastern League, wasn't he? Uh, he was uh, two weeks ago, actually, this past week. Uh, Jeff McVaney, another returnee, was named uh, Eastern League Player of the Week. So we had the last two. Okay, perfect. So uh, who are some of the players that fans should be I guess, paying attention to uh, when they're coming to the ballpark, who are some of the, the notable names that, that fans should keep an eye on when they're at the up? Well, it's, uh, it's interesting because we definitely have a mix of uh, returnees and, and new players, and you mentioned a couple already uh, popular guys like, like a Dean Green. Uh, Austin Green is another popular player who's back. He's, he's a, a player that potentially projects as a, uh, a big league catcher. So, you know, he's with us. Uh, a player that's going to be joining us real soon. He's been on our roster, but he's been inactive. Is uh, Jacoby Jones? Uh, he is probably has one of the highest ceilings of any prospects to come through Erie recently. Uh, so he'll be uh, he'll be rejoining us uh, in uh, in mid to late May. Uh, we've got uh, first baseman Dominic Piccicello. He's a uh, a Rawlings Gold Glove Award winner, which basically means he was the best uh, at his position in all of minor league baseball, not just at Double A, not just at Single A all of double-A baseball. So, uh, so yeah, he's a, he's a player that, uh, you know, projects pretty well. And obviously is a pretty good player in Detroit right now, but then Miguel Cabrera playing first base. So, <laughs> so, you know, it's that, that, that path is blocked a little bit, but he's a player that definitely projects. Uh, you know, I think the thing that's interesting about this team right now is there's a lot of talent on it. There's a lot of guys that like you mentioned, Jeff, Jeff McVaney, uh, Jason Krasan, who's hitting the ball pretty well. Uh, these are guys who are talented guys, but the Detroit system has gotten a lot tougher to move up in. Um, and there's also guys that are below us in the system at Lakeland right now who are making their case to be here. And players that I, I think that if you take the, the veterans that are with us now and combine them with some of the young talent we would expect to come out and come up at some point during the course of this year, and the, those players are players, uh, uh, Michael Gerber, who's an outfielder, uh, Kristen Stewart. Um, uh, Joe Jimenez, who's a, uh, a pitcher that throws high 90s uh, and a reliever. Uh, and uh, Kevin Zomek, who, uh, who uh, was supposed to start with us this year, but unfortunately has been uh, held back uh, due, to, due to injury. These are all guys who at some point here, you know, we could see. And, you know, it's tough to know. Will it, be, you know, will it be June? Will it be July? Will it be August? But if you take the existing crop we have and mix it with some of these players who are making their case to move up, this could be a really interesting team to watch. Now we we still we still need to work where we're a little thin in starting pitcher pitching, and, and uh, that's where a guy like uh, uh, Zolnik could be a big help if he comes back comes back healthy. Uh, but um, yeah, it's, it'll be really interesting to see the guys we have mixed with the younger guys coming up because we could have a really nice team here in in, in a month or so. Now this is something I've always been curious about. With such diverse rosters that include players from the Dominican, Puerto Rico, Venezuela, and, and other countries around the globe, how do you effectively communicate with with all of the players from all these different uh, places? It can be challenging at times. Uh, now, every team usually has somebody who uh, who helps assist with that. Uh, sometimes it's a coach who is bilingual. Uh, it, it, so every team is a little bit a little bit different. Often there are players that are along this spectrum of uh, of uh, their their skills, and so in some cases, uh, someone might not be able to speak a lot of uh, a lot of English. In some cases, they may be able to speak English quite well and can help and can help uh, translate for some of their teammates. And so, so each situation is a little bit different. I will tell you that uh, in Erie, we have a uh, English as a second language teacher who works with some of the players to to help them uh, on their on their language skills. Who helps us uh, make sure that you know, basic communications uh, are understood uh, both ways? But you know, there's still some guys who are still trying to figure that out, and so uh, it can be it can be an interesting scenario sometimes. Where like, I can I can tell you a couple of weeks ago we had uh, uh, some of the the Tigers uh, minor league uh, top personnel in town, and you know they had a player that they, they wanted to share some uh, some thoughts with. And, you know, they needed to have another player kind of help me in the room to make sure that there was, you know, no misunderstanding. And so, so it can be, it can be a little tricky. And for the guys that, that speak English uh, better than some others, you know, they may have to carry a little extra burden to make sure that their teammates are, are all communicating with each other. It is, it's a, it's an interesting dynamic, uh, but I know the Tigers and most other organizations work pretty hard 
make sure that when these players make the big leagues, by the time they make the big leagues, um, the their their language uh, is uh, more more than suitable to be able to get them by um, because of the work they've done in the minors. That's always intrigued me about baseball rosters, as far as just the the melting pot, the the diversity, and you know, being able to effectively communicate not just on the field, which is incredibly important, but you know also off the field when you're talking about being in a clubhouse with these guys for for weeks and months on end. Um, that, so that, that's kind of interesting to hear how you have the the dynamic of you know players kind of working together as far as the communication goes. That that was really interesting. I was I was very curious about that. Now, you don't have to look very hard to see the fingerprint of the Erie Seawolves in the Erie community. Um, you guys are, are a very active uh, minor league club as far as uh, being out and active with the community. But I'm kind of curious um, just to hear your point of view and your thoughts. How are the Seawolves going to be interacting with the community in 2016? Well, I think we've got some work to do because last year we set a pretty high bar. Uh, we went out and we won an award called the Commitment to Erie Award. And uh, very, very proud of that. And it is given out for the, the type of community service that, you know, that we do. Uh, and so now we feel like we've got to go out and top that to do even better. Whether or not they give us the award again, I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> but we're going to try to continue to, to improve. And so uh, uh, we've, we've taken some of our uh, existing programs to another level. We, we are very fortunate to have a great partnership with the UPMC Health Plan. And they help support a number of different programs uh, that, that we do. Uh, and doing things like uh, giving kids that have uh, free, uh, or sorry, giving kids that have good dental checkups uh, a free ticket on select dates uh, to uh, go out to schools with our mascot and encourage kids to make healthy choices in terms of the food they eat and the amount of exercise they get. Uh, without UPMC support, I'm not sure we could be as effective as we are. So, so we're, we're trying to do those types of things through, through the school. Um, we have uh, something going on right now, which is an initiative to support the Boys and Girls Club, uh, which is called Kiss a Pig. And uh, basically, it, it pits me against eight other uh, local candidates in, in the market. We're all trying to raise as much money for the Boys and Girls Club as we can. And the top three people at the end of the campaign will have the opportunity to get a big old sloppy wet kiss on the field during a game here at the ballpark uh, <laughs> from a, a pot-bellied pig named Lydia. Uh, and uh, now Lydia, Lydia is a pot-bellied pig, and she is not small, not not in any way, shape, or form. And uh, you know, in some some ways, I really want to be down on that field uh, celebrating as one of the top fundraisers. On the other hand, um, Lydia kind of scares me a little bit. So <laughs> if I just have to sit and stand on the side as number four, I, there might be some benefit to that. But now, I mean. I'll, all joking aside, um, it, it should be a great opportunity to raise some, some money for a, a great cause. Uh, it all concludes at the ballpark on June 18th this year, and uh, you know the, the team is proud to be associated with this and, and doing what we can. So I mean that's that's another example of us thinking outside the box and working with a, a local partner to make it happen. And so yeah, lots of great things. You know I also want to mention one thing I think is important uh, as part of our new lease, we have the opportunity to book more events at the facility, and I'm not sure. That people realized in the past that we had limits on what we could actually do under that lease and so those limits have gone away with the new lease so whereas in the past we've been able to do a, a, a few events like the leukemia and lymphoma society's uh, light the night walk uh, we've now added a relay for life event we've added an alzheimer's walk event so we can become uh, more of a, a a central venue for the facility to come together for charitable purposes and so those are just a few other ways we're trying to do our part now, that's really interesting. One of the things we talked about last year was uh, how the Seawolves were incorporating more social media into the fans' interaction with the team. So how do you feel about the Seawolves' social media department uh, with the 2016 season underway? Well, you know, we always get off, get off on a great start with our opening day countdown. Uh, through our partnership with Plyler Overhead Door, uh, we, we count down, we work with the local uh, sponsors and, and fans to, you know, countdown with giant green numbers to let people know opening day is coming. And so by the time we get to opening day, we've been extremely active on social media. Uh, and, and if you don't know that opening day is coming, uh, you're not you're not paying attention uh, because we engage so many different groups to, to participate. So that has been wildly successful. And actually, if you go around the Eastern League, uh, there are teams like the Trent Thunder, 
the Reading Fighting Bills, uh, the Richmond Flying Squirrels. These are teams that uh, uh, didn't do an opening day countdown the way that we do it, do it before we shared that idea at the, uh, the Eastern League meetings last year. And now some of these franchises that are uh, have just have decades and you know of, of uh, a proven track record of doing great things. They're taking ideas from Erie now, and I think that that's a really positive thing for the franchise here. So, so in that sense, I think we're doing well. Uh, in another sense, I think we still have some room to, to grow. I think, uh, given the size of our staff, we've been very cautious to not take on more than we could uh, can, can chew. Um, and in that sense, uh, you know, we are probably a little slower on Instagram and Snapchat than we'd like to be at this point. Uh, we're very uh, active on Twitter and Facebook and, and do well on those platforms. But but I think there's more we can do in other spaces, and I think we'll, we'll be uh, getting more active in those spaces. But like I said, I think it, I think the things we've done, we've, we've tried to do and do well, and uh, now we're starting to, to, once again, stretch ourselves a little bit more. Now, this is something I'm curious about because uh, the manager of the Erie Seawolves is Lance Parrish, who was a an absolute favorite player of mine. I was obsessed with catchers when I was a kid. Uh, and so Lance was always uh, one of those, one of those guys that uh, when I was younger, I, I enjoyed following his career. Now you've seen a few managers in Erie during your tenure. And I'm curious, is there anything that stands out about Lance Parrish as the manager of the Seawolves? Lance is different. Uh, and Lance is different because he uh, carries a, a pedigree. And, uh, and when I mean that, I mean the things he's done on the field, put him in a different stratosphere than, than most minor league managers, not just once through Erie. Uh, we talk about a guy who was an eight-time major league all-star, a World Series champion. Um, you know, the types of things that he's done uh, and the success that he's had at the highest level, that, that doesn't happen every day. Those those players, they, they usually uh, have their success. They make their money. They, they retire. Maybe sometimes they go into TV, but very rarely are they riding the buses uh, in single A or double A baseball, uh, Lance uh, Lance is a guy that loves, loves the game. He is a, he's a, a very low key guy, uh, very very giving with the fans, uh, signs, autographs um, all day long. Whether he's here or whether he's in other markets, I mean he, he's he's very giving of that on his way uh, uh, to to the field at night. And and I can tell you, I, I had something happen. Uh, very recently, and I think this speaks a lot to who Lance is. We had a game that uh, unfortunately was was postponed. It, not, it was not due to rain; it was due to fog, uh, and it was it was just not a great situation. We had a a group that was there for a birthday party, and they had come in from well over an hour away. A uh, big enough group that they had uh, had brought a bus uh, to bring everybody up on. And so, of course, they were pretty bummed out that that the game wasn't played. It's really, you can't do much about that. They had their they had their cake and, and were enjoying themselves the best they could. Uh, but uh, part of what we do for birthday parties is we give you the chance to meet a Seagulls player, which is very easy to do when you're down at the field before the game. But when you're not playing a game, that's a little tougher to do. So uh, we explained the situation, and Lance said, "You know what? I'll I'll do it. I'd be happy to go go uh, meet meet the birthday boy." And so so he uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so he went and. Uh, and went to the, they happened to be in a suite that day, and went and met with uh, everybody that was up there, signed autographs, posed for photos, and, you know, you could have sent, you know, a middle reliever up there. He, he could have he could have asked somebody else to do it. And Lance said, you know what, I understand this is this is not, you know, ideal. And the kind of guy he is, he's going to go up there and make people feel like they're a part of the family and, and go the extra mile for the fans. I just... That, that to me, uh, that that doesn't happen, you know. This just doesn't happen very often. Especially doesn't happen with guys maybe with, you know, big league experience, big league time. They're they're used to being the ones who uh, people cater to, and and you know, Lance is just very down to earth. And I, that you know, I'll always remember him taking care of our fans, particularly in a situation where maybe it wasn't the most convenient to do it. I have to tell you, that's absolutely fantastic because it fits the narrative that I've constructed in my head of Lance Parrish from watching him when I was a kid, you know, like I look at him as a catcher and being the field general. And now you look at him as a manager and he literally is that guy who's like, I'll step up to the plate for this one. Like that, that, that's a really, it makes my heart happy 
to see that Lance Parrish is that kind of person on the field and off the field too. That's that's a really really cool dynamic. He's, he's that guy, and I think yeah, I think I relate to Lance a little bit. I think the key, um, you know, is when you're managing, whether it be off the field or on the field, is how do you get that to translate to the people that you're trying to get results from, and can you know can he impart that to the you know 21, 22 year old player who's just learning to play the game. Can I impart that to the you know the new ticket sales rep who's just breaking in? Now, can can we get results uh, by showing leadership like that? You know, Lance definitely leads by example, no question about it. That's fantastic. Now, I want to end on just a little more personal level, and I'd kind of like for uh, for you to have a, a chance to tell a little bit about your story. So, um, you know, you've been on the the podcast before, and. Um, you know, kind of told us a little bit about how you've ended up in Erie. But for any listeners who might not have heard you discuss this, how 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 has your journey brought you to the Erie Seawolves? So, how did you end up as the general manager for the Erie Seawolves? Well, it is uh, it's been a great ride. It's been a crazy ride. It's taken about eighteen years to get here, um, and now, of course, the last five years have been here. So, I guess it took a little less. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know. To run you through everything, I got an opportunity when uh, I was probably two years out of college. I was working in banking and uh, had the opportunity, uh, because of a life change, uh, decided to move to Florida and figured, well, this is my opportunity to break into the game of baseball. And so I, you know, obviously there's spring training, there's uh, minor league teams, there's major league teams. Let's, let's throw out some resumes and see what happens. And and very fortunate that I got an opportunity with the Daytona Cubs uh, in Daytona Beach, Florida, and uh, was their uh, PA PA announcer. I was their uh, director of marketing and, and uh, media. Uh, then I moved to the Rays AA team in Orlando, Florida, and was their director of sales and marketing. Uh, from there, I moved out to the West Coast and, and was the assistant general manager of the team in Modesto, California at the time, the Modesto A's. By the way, those first three teams, none of them exist anymore as is. <laughs> uh, now, that's, that's, that's a little bit misleading. Uh, the, the Cubs are now the Daytona Tortugas because they got a new affiliate who's not the Cubs. Uh, the Orlando Rays are now the Montgomery Biscuits, and the Modesto A's are now the Modesto Nuts. So uh, after, after being in Modesto, um, I got an offer that was tough, tough to pass up. Uh, a gentleman who tried to buy the Modesto franchise uh, was starting a new independent league on the West Coast called the Golden Baseball League. And it was a league that actually Ricky Henderson played in, Jose Canseco played in for a little bit. And uh, they were looking for some expertise to get started. And so I left Modesto to help get them started. I uh, did that for about a year and a half. It was a great experience. Um, I mean, had a chance to negotiate a lease uh, at San Diego State with Tony Gwynn. You were talking about highlights or being starstruck. That was probably one of mine. <laughs> um, so, uh, and then left left there to go home. Uh, I'm from Trenton, New Jersey. I went and became the assistant GM of the Trenton Thunder. And uh, and that was a great three years. Um, then after I did that, I had an opportunity to open up a brand new ballpark in Bowling Green, Kentucky, the Class A affiliate of, of uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, you don't get many opportunities to open a new stadium. And so when you get a chance, uh, it's just something you sort of have to jump at to build your resume a little bit. So I did that. And uh, partway in uh, to my second season there, where we were feeling pretty good about where we are, uh, there was a, a business deal that was done between my ownership group and uh, Mandalay Baseball Properties. And they indicated that they were going to have an opening in, in the area. And if they knew anybody uh, to, you know, please, please pass it along and uh, the, our our team president there had uh, made sure that my name was put into the mix and um, uh, whatever I said or whatever I did was good enough to get me to Erie, Pennsylvania because I've been here for five plus years now and uh, I've really enjoyed it. It's uh, a great place to raise a family, uh, enjoy the challenge here, still a lot of work to do, uh, but at the same time, um, I, I really have enjoyed the past five years and, and I can't wait for the next five. Well, I can tell you, I am particularly personally pleased uh, that you've made your way to Erie. You've made the ballpark uh, an incredibly enjoyable experience for, you know, fans of baseball and I think just fans in general. You know, if you're if you're not maybe into the the whole prospect angle of of minor league baseball, I think you can still go to Jerry Up Park and have just a good time um, and a great experience and, and come away with a positive view of what baseball is in Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, so definitely glad that you ended up in Erie, Greg. 
Well, thanks. I think I think sometimes we're pretty hard on ourselves in terms of you know making sure that we get everything right, want to deliver things a certain way, and then I think probably 99% of the time the only people that notice those things are us. Um, but it's I think it's that commitment to wanting to be as good as we can be and be much better than we are now that I think makes a, makes a difference. And so uh, ultimately though, we're always thinking of you know people like you. We're thinking of, we're thinking about the fans. We're thinking about the experience when they come out here because. Look, you can go out and you can spend time with your family anywhere. You can go watch a movie together, you go to the theme park, uh, but we want to be a place that you can come, you can make memories, you can take a souvenir home with you, and, and be a place that you just, you, you remember what that smile felt like. And, and if we have left you feeling that way and wanting to come back, then we've done our part. Well, we're looking forward to another great season of baseball in Erie, Pennsylvania. Greg, thanks for spending a few minutes to talk about the Seals with us tonight. We greatly appreciate it at Tri-State of Mind. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. So that's it, folks. That's our show. A huge thank you to Greg Coleman, general manager of the Erie Seawolves, for taking some time out of his busy schedule to sit down and talk some Seawolves baseball with us. So that's going to wrap us up for today. We'd like to again thank our listeners and ask if you're listening to us on iTunes that you drop us a rate and review. Our podcasts are coming out weekly, so keep your ear to the ground for the next show. In the meantime, if you want to check us out on the web, you can do so at www.tsmbaseball.com. You can email us, tristatebb at tsmbaseball.com. You can follow us on the Twitter at tristatebb. And you can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash tsmbaseball. So this is Andy Burdick, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Your job is has put you in some of the most amusing situations I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how that translates to employment, but it, uh, <laughs> it, certainly, shows, it certainly shows I'm not shy. <laughs>